you know, I'm sitting here after two years, still not knowing what the hell to say in these intros. And and what's funny about doing the first episode of a new season is that it's supposed to be the start of something new, but all I can do is sit here and reflect on all the things that I didn't talk about for the six or seven months that I wasn't doing the podcast. And uh, that puts me in a weird place. So, long story short, um, lots of changes, <laughs> as you do in my life. Uh, lots of massive relationship changes with myself and others. Um, and I'm, I'm just thankful to be here, taking a day at a time. And still have that nagging question of, am I the same pretty much each day? And, uh, I mean, I've definitely changed (laughs) since April, for sure, I've changed. But it's, it's hard to point out exactly how. I just know that I feel better and worse, but overall better, if that makes sense. Still have a lot of shit going on, always. Still get hit with bad bad moments, but I think my understanding and my peacemaking with, with trouble is is getting better by the day. A lot of that I can attribute to meditation, which I've talked about for some time, but, but didn't really get into practicing. And, and I've been doing that almost daily, which I just feel silly for not having taken advantage of that before because I... Just stopping, <laughs> stopping to not think is so important because my life is just consistently plagued with my brain saying, are you meaning the words that you're saying as you're saying them? And do you think they'll stand the test of your mind and others and time and what a, what what have you? So, and I'm trying to let that go. And, and really, really know intimately the moment. And I say that all the time. And, and I repeat myself all the time. But I think I'm on to something. I always feel like I'm on to something. And that, that's what keeps me talking, I guess. And that can get tiresome. Sometimes I just get so sick of hearing my voice. Um, and I'm sure I will since I haven't talked to myself in a microphone for some time. But I've learned a lot, man taking a lot of time for myself and and that's just made me be better to others helped my friendships by by helping myself been reading more which I've always struggled with because god it's just time consuming to read a <laughs> to read a book but yeah things are good man things are real good saw jpeg mafia last week with my with some of my best friends and beat the shit out of each other doing so and I saw Kanye. That's a, that's a beast. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't. I don't like the feeling of sitting here and saying I did this. I did this. I did this. I hope that it just kind of comes out naturally throughout the season. Maybe I tell people, or I bring it up, or maybe each intro will be one thing that I did. So you know that sounds like horse. I don't know. I had a full summer. I went. To, I went to many places. I saw a lot of things, and I. I tried to be better all along the way and I think that I'm kind of doing so that's that's about it for me for now I'm still me I'm still in college I'm still nonsensical I'm still inward 
Um, but I'm trying more than ever. And I'm ecstatic to say that the first episode of this season is with a crew member of the Breaking Bad sequel, El Camino. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> the best show of all time. And I got a, I got a beautiful chance to talk with Michael Gowan, the supervising art director. And my God, did I learn a lot. I'm so thankful for things like this. And, and that's all I'm going to continue doing. My goal this season is to question myself less than I have before, but also just as much as before, maybe in a more helpful way, rather than just saying, why are you saying that, you goof? Figure out, why are you saying that, you goof? And, uh, and dig deeper. So yeah, I, I, I'm so happy that I got to talk to Michael and I got to hear about what it means to be a contractor and an art director because I know nothing of these things. And I'm, I'm super appreciative to be in a time in my life where I can soak up so much so quickly and, and that someone in such a different situation than I is just a phone call away. I'm happy as hell to be alive. And uh, I'm thankful. I'm thankful to have experience. I'm thankful to be experiencing. I hope whoever listens to this is doing well and that this is fruitful for you, and that you go along with me on this journey of the third year of my podcast, which is nuts, because I, I know I've had my doubts with it, but, but overall, I'm really, really happy with what I've done here, because of what other people have given to me, and um, all I can do is keep learning. So I hope you enjoy this, I hope you enjoy the rest of the season, I've got guests from a ton of amazing projects, Honey Boy, the Lodge, Monos, uh, The Interpreters, Downton Abbey, the classic six-series TV show movie sequel. Um, we also got Frankie and The Lighthouse. My God. So, yeah, lots of wonderful things in store. And, uh, of course, El Camino. My word. So, thank you again for listening. And here's my conversation with Michael Gowan. Your Saturday treating you? Oh, it's okay. I'm, I'm pretty exhausted. The, uh, we're going to start filming on Monday on, on the project I'm on right now. Oh, what is that? This week is uh, it's called For All Mankind. It's uh, I'm doing the second season. The first season comes out with uh, Apple TV Plus. Gotcha. Um, I think that's November first. What's that about? It's uh, oh, it's fascinating. I, I think it's going to be a hit too. The, um, the sounds first like season, it. Well, the series in general is basically asking the question, what would America and the world look like if the Russians had landed on the moon first? Oh, I feel like I've heard of this. Yeah, they're, they're starting their whole advertising campaign, and mm-hmm. they're putting up the billboards and all that kind of stuff right now. Getting ready for the big launch. We just had the premiere this uh, this past Tuesday, I think it was, or Monday. Gotcha. Sounds like compelling television. Oh, yeah. yeah and uh, are, are you familiar with Ron Moore? Uh, no, I'm not. Who's Ron? He's the, he's the uh, showrunner on, well, on our show, but he, he's done Star Trek, and I believe he was on Babylon 5 as well, oh. and um, most notably, probably the uh, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. 
So he's he's the sci-fi wizard. <laughs> and this is born out of his genius, I suppose. <laughs> so how do you like it? Does does it does it get gritty or, or what? Uh, I don't know if it's I'd say it's gritty. It's uh, <laughs> it's definitely very well written mm-hmm. and compelling. And I, I think it, it it covers so many different things. You know, there's it's based. The first season is based in the uh, the 1960s. I guess that would be 60s and 70s. Okay. And um, you know, the the first couple of minutes of the first episode is they land the Russians land on the moon before the Americans can, and essentially the space race gets a bucket of gasoline dumped on it right. instead of kind of petering out in the uh, the late 70s and 80s when we were more interested in the Cold War and Vietnam and everything else. But all that money that we spent on those things instead went to NASA, which hmm. accelerates technology and accelerate. They, they, well, I don't want to give stuff away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's uh, it's pretty fascinating. That sounds like a tall order. There's there's so many different facets that could be changed on something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it deals with um, you know gender politics and race mm-hmm. and uh, personal family dramas uh, and everything. You know, it's very it's a, it's a human story, even though it's sci-fi. Right. Well, that's which is really great. I'll definitely have to check that out. Yeah, November first. <laughs> Go Fan- get your Apple TV Plus subscription. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right, you want to chat about El Camino a bit? Sure. You tell me as much as you uh, as as you can about as, about your role on that. How it came yeah, to be. Yeah, whatever whatever comes to mind. Because I'm very curious to eat it all up. Okay, well, uh, I guess I'll start at the beginning. <laughs> uh, I was, um, it was a, this El Camino was my first supervising art director role. I've, uh, I've been gotcha, gotcha. Art directing, well, assistant art directing and art directing for the last several years, and I've been in the industry for about ten, mm-hmm. and uh, started as a construction buyer. But we can go over that later if you'd like. <laughs> of course. But um, I was. Working on a uh, a movie called Called the Wild, which I think comes out this Christmas or next. Okay. I think the, their schedule got pushed, and I got a call from Judy Ree, who's the uh, production designer, mm-hmm. and she was looking for uh, someone to come art direct for this project that she didn't really give any details about at first out in New Mexico. Ooh. I, I usually don't jump from uh, jump from a show. But when you're working as an assistant art director, like I was, and then you get an offer for a supervising art director, yeah. you got to go. That's a lot. Yeah. So I, uh, I found out a little bit more, found out it was Breaking Bad, and I was like, oh, well, that, that seals the deal. i gotta, <laughs> I got to go. And I was a fan of the series, and it, I cool, thought it was cool. over. I loved the way it ended as well. Yeah, phenomenal. With, uh, kind of ambiguous, Jesse gets away, and... Walter White has has passed on, but he's kind of redeemed himself. Mm-hmm. It's it was such a beautiful way to end the series. I yeah, thought. it's tough for series yeah. to end well too. Usually, a lot a lot of series can't handle the weight of of that, but the brevity of the show is just fantastic. Oh, it was perfect, I, and I think they're going for the same um, duration with Better Call Saul. Yeah, which really. I, I think is smart. Mm-hmm. They might they might go one more season than uh, than Breaking Bad. We'll, right. we'll see. But um, I, I got called about it and then said that I was interested, and I got a script. 
Oh wow! And read, read through the uh, the script, the, the early version of the of the script. That's crazy. I didn't know how much you had access to. That's wild. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I have to. Right, right. <laughs> if, uh, if, if I'm going to uh, mm-hmm. to help create the world, I, I have to know what's on the pages. Absolutely. So we, uh, and it was funny because at that time it was actually called El Camino, mm-hmm. and then later was changed to Greenbrier, which was our code name during oh, production. Okay. Okay. And um, and you know we were all curious about what it was actually going to be called, and mm-hmm. we were told that, that El Camino wasn't that wasn't the title that was just a <laughs> you know placeholder. Right. I was like okay, <laughs> and um, <laughs> but read through it, and you know it picks up. I'm assuming that you you've seen it now. Yes. Out. Yes, I have. And um, you know we pick up right the moment that Jesse yeah, escapes. Yeah, man. And I, I mean it's. Uh, uh, there's so many things to talk about. I'm trying to figure the the best path. I got time, man. <laughs> Fair enough. So I got out to New Mexico. I started putting together our team. Judy had already gotten um, several people, and and how she had gotten my name was actually uh, Travis Kerr, who was our set designer at first, and then he ended up uh, becoming an art director for me Ooh. later on in the season. And I believe he's listed as art director in the credits, mm-hmm. uh, as he should be. He, he did a great job. And um, Travis and I have worked together in the past. And, and Judy was, she's out of New York and I'm out of L.A. And they, you're usually not too interested in bringing art directors out of New York because they have uh, higher rates than we do in L.A. Right. So she was trying to find somebody out of L.A. that could uh, come out to New Mexico. And things have been so busy these last couple of years it's it's hard to find people mm-hmm. so she was just looking for anybody she could find you know we all like to hire people we know because you know how you work with them right and it's it's always risky to go with somebody that you're unfamiliar with and judy took that risk with me which i'm infinitely grateful for <laughs> and she brought me out we hit it off really well um but we're still very much in touch and Hopefully we'll get to work together again soon. She she tried to nab me for the project she's on now, but that's in New York and the, another union thing. The unions in New York don't like when we invade their territory. Oh yeah. Hmm. So uh, she ended up having to hire a, a local guy there, but I'm, gotcha. I'm sure he's wonderful as well. But um, let's see. We we got out there. Travis was on. We we found a, uh, a set designer, Amanda Robinson, um, young gal great job you know really eager which was wonderful we had our, a couple of pas and an art department coordinator already lined up because they had worked on um, the, the previous series and i think some of them had worked on better call Saul. oh okay. um alan chow our graphic artist and um billy ray came on as an assistant art director which uh, he's an, an older gentleman and he's art directed lots of things so i appreciate him filling that spot for me, he kind of took a reduced role so he could come and help out. And um, that was wonderful. We had a really great team in our, our little art department. And the Q Studios there in Albuquerque is where we were based out of, which is just south of the airport, just south of Albuquerque. And nice facilities. Uh, Netflix actually just bought them. They bought them while we were working on the show, actually. Oh, wow. So. Yeah, so Netflix, is, I, I'm, I would assume, is planning on doing a lot of their series there right. in Albuquerque, especially if it's freeform. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, 
we got out there. Set decoration team was already in place. There was there was a lot of things pieces already in place before I got on, which was made my job a little easier. Yeah, how much do you have to actually like? I don't want to say contribute, but like, is it is it more like placement and orchestration, or do you actually have to bring to the table lots of like original ideas? So. As far as the movie itself goes, mm-hmm. the we, we start with the, the words on the page. Right. And the, this was, man, it was such a great opportunity. We had our first kind of large production meeting with all the department heads, and, and Vince was there. Okay, and, um, okay. We kind of went over the script and all the ideas and, and what he was looking to accomplish. And, right. and Judy's job is, as the production designer, is to create the world that Vince wants Mm -hmm. and um, you know, with her, her influence as the designer into that world. So she reads the script, she talks to Vince, she kind of figures out what she wants to do. And then my job is to actually turn the ideas in her head into reality. Okay. And, and all the, the different departments that involve that, um, the biggest for our department is, um, the construction department that's that builds all the sets right and uh we had bill Holmquist and um terry kemp uh because bill had to leave us to go to another show uh, mm-hmm. about midway midway through and terry took over um terry lovely man did it did a wonderful job and and our construction and paint crew uh, virginia um uh, just blank, i'm blanking on her last name but virginia mm-hmm. was hopkins virginia hopkins was our lead scenic and that woman does magic. <laughs> yeah? How so? Uh, she can... Well, I mean, that whole movie, we were in places... That, that house that Skinny Pete yeah. um, it lives in, his house, it looks very run down, and, and it, it's funny because that house is a nice house in a, a very <laughs> nice neighborhood, and we made it look like a not-nice house in a not-nice neighborhood. <laughs> That's very true. Takes, yeah, it takes a, what we call aging, Okay. And so on the inside and the out, we, we actually, the backyard was a, a very beautiful backyard that we completely destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> but we also put it back the way we found it. What did you have you to know? do to it? So we covered the, the whole backyard in burlap. And Chris Kime, our greensman, he was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Man, he, he's the most positive person I think I've ever met. <laughs> and just gung ho loves loves what he does and loves adding you know to the the visual elements of the film and people don't necessarily pay attention to the landscaping and and the point for sure is yeah and I always say the less people talk about the scenery the better a job we did mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you want everyone to be involved in the story and and everything else they see on the screen just keeps them there right you know I'm supposed because if you're paying attention it. to stuff in the background. You're not, you're not engaged. Right, right. And so Chris, when he uh, he covered the whole backyard in burlap, and then covered that with a, a light layer of dirt, so we could make it look like the whole yard was dead. Gotcha. And we had to move that. Uh, was it a trampoline? No, it was a pool. We had a pool that we put in, so they could have a reflection shot. Which I'm not sure if that even made it to the final cut. They they cut a lot. <laughs> to get it down to the, to the two hours. Yeah, I was curious how Vince was going to handle that. Because <laughs> that oh. man loves long episodes. <laughs> he does. He does. And, you know, it's there's 
he probably could have uh, left everything in and people would still really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But um, but I know there's time constraints and, of course. and you can only watch something for so long. And he doesn't want anybody to get bored. And, right. But they cut it together great. The pacing of the whole movie is yeah, top-notch. I, I agree. I think the beginning, I was like... Obviously, just kind of feel it, trying to feel it out, and it was like a little slow at first, just for that reason, because I was like, okay, so what is this kind of going to be? And then it just kind of hit like a really nice rhythm, and I, it was funny because I just felt that familiar feeling of like, like the thrilling feeling from watching Breaking Bad, or like, just the antici- it's, the anticipatory it's the feeling, enjoyable anxiety. Yeah, and it's fantastic because there's so many. He he creates this like mood where. It's kind of sad, but you also are, are extremely interested. Like, the weekend with Todd and Jesse, like, it's it's not, like, super fast-paced and a bunch of things going on. It's it's quite slow, and there's a lot of, like, like the shots of Todd singing. But you... The, God, I love that. <laughs> the, whole, the whole, like, film over the whole thing makes you feel uneasy regardless. So it keeps you keeps you on the pace. I, don't, I, I just appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, and that... That was our goal. Well, it was everyone's goal. Mm-hmm. You know, you, the kind of I, I look at filmmaking, and you know, the, you have three categories. There's it, within the filmmaking. There's the director, the director of photography, and the production designer. Mm-hmm. And the the DP is in charge of capturing the world in a beautiful way that tells the story. The director is in charge, kind of kind of of everything, but mainly of telling the story and directing the actors so that they convey the story appropriately. Mm-hmm. And then the production designer is responsible for creating that world to be captured and acted in. And, and those three legs are kind of the tripod that support a story. Right. And I feel like Vince is very interested in every aspect of the filmmaking, which... In the art department, we we sometimes feel like the redheaded stepchildren. Yeah, yeah. You know, a, a, a funny um, kind of example of that is you know, I won't be too specific, but the uh, the house, Skinny Pete's house. Uh, one of the actors came in and he he turned to the uh, the location manager and said, "Oh man, you guys found an amazing place. This place is perfect." <laughs> But this actor has no idea that we spent the previous five <laughs> weeks turning that place into something perfect. Right. And then, you know, they, they learn it and they're very appreciative. Like, uh, Aaron Paul, lovely, lovely guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's so good to the crew and That's he's, awesome, he's genuinely excited to be there and works really hard and goes out of his way to thank people below the line. That's fantastic. Which not all actors do that. So that that was really nice, and I felt like on El Camino, the scenery was as much a character as any of the actors. Absolutely, because there's so much space to fill. I, I don't know, like, I, I, that's a really good way of putting it. I've always felt in the show and even in the movie that like the landscapes and the in the town and the area that they're in feel like an entity that's like also speaking on the whole of the movie. Yeah, and well, that's a big part of why it's shot in Albuquerque as mm-hmm. well. You know, the, um, the story, Albuquerque is a character and, and has been throughout the entire series and this movie. Mm-hmm. And, and it's an interesting place. It was an interesting place to live in for, uh, for I guess I was there about six months. Wow. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of lovely people, but there's also areas of town that are, are just like the seediest parts of Breaking Bad. I, yeah. I think he does a great job, actually, with the juxtaposition that is Albuquerque of really nice neighborhoods, beautiful scenery when you get out of the city, and and the harsh realities of, of the meth problem that they've had there, and which I think is, is a much better than it was. Hmm. And... Um, but you know, there's there's interesting things. We we had one day we were shooting in a, an area of town that wasn't necessarily the uh, the best part of town, mm-hmm. uh, and um, a, a young man was walking down the street dancing with his shirt off, hmm. um, not listening to any music or headphones or anything, just dancing, and he had a uh, a gun in his waistband. And, and was which he's totally within his rights to do so, but it was a bit unnerving. <laughs> and uh, you know, we our painters were, were out there and they were working on covering up some graffiti, which can be a, a dangerous thing for us to do. Yeah. Especially if you're in a tough neighborhood and you cover up somebody's tag that they right, right. don't want you to cover up. They don't care that you're making a movie. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, you know, it gets a little dicey. That's but interesting. Then, I'd not thought about like that aspect of it yeah and production provides security and and you know we we do everything we can to make everything safe right but but, you know the world is the world you have to live in it that is true you 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 put that next to like the next day we go over to this uh historically protected home um which was actually jesse's parents house Mm -hmm. and um it's one of the most beautiful parts of Albuquerque. They have these big, beautiful trees and all these old, wonderful houses. That, I mean, just the architecture is is kind of amazing. I did not expect to see that in New Mexico. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. And you know, we had work to do there as well. So you you kind of get the run of the run the gamut of of styles within the story, and it's showcased from scene to scene, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it comes from Vince's appreciation of all that goes into filmmaking as well as his collaborative nature. Yeah. I, I think he's been the most approachable and collaborative director I've worked with. Wow. And it, it was really nice. I, I'm, I know I'm glowing on Vince, but, uh, <laughs> well, that's wonderful, man. I, I was very impressed by him, which uh, not usually, <laughs> <laughs> but, and I, I think, Part of that is kind of going back to the beginning when we had our first meeting talking about the story and the script and, and all the, it was kind of a, a scene by scene page turn. Mm-hmm. And that last scene of the movie when Jetsy is, um, he's getting out of his hiding spot to, to he's there in Alaska, he gets out of his hiding spot and gets into his SUV and drives off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember exactly how that was originally scripted, but it was, um, I think maybe he was in a hidden compartment underneath the, the moving van or something, a la Walter White in the, uh, what was that, whatever kind of truck that was that he got yeah. out of the, the bottom of. Right. And at that time, I'd only been on maybe a week, and I was still a bit shy about uh, speaking out. But after the meeting, I was telling my designer about an idea like, well, you know, we could have him up in the mother's attic, which is that part that goes over the cab, mm-hmm. build a false front that can fold down. And and that would be, A, 
easier to do than building a whole box that goes under a vehicle. Right. And something maybe a little different. And I think one of the producers was walking by, or it might have been Vince himself, but he Vince got pulled into the conversation, and I told him my idea, and he really liked it, and he ended up writing it into the script. Wow, man, that's crazy. <laughs> Which was, that was... Still, that's the highlight of, of the show for me. <laughs> that's got to feel like insane. Yeah, and you was, see it come great. to light and on the screen. That's just that's wild. That's wild. And and it turned out really great. Yeah, if I I like I remember feeling like like ooh yeah like that was a good Breaking Bad move. So wow, <laughs> good job, man. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's fantastic. <laughs> but but that kind of thing being collaborative. Yeah, it, yeah. It makes the experience a lot more. Doesn't seem like you could do that with just everyone. And no, no, you could. And I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll be a little harsher on him now. <laughs> during during the process, and and this is not necessarily uh, Vince's fault, if that's that's a too strong of a word anyway. But mm-hmm. um, as we develop plans, and you know, we, we'll do renderings. There weren't so many renderings on on this show, um, but we basically present our ideas of what these different spaces will look like. Right, and then we have to get them approved and then the money to create them also has to be approved. And that approval process was very difficult. Oh yeah. And, and I, I think I understand why they're, um, Vince is very particular. Yeah. I, that's, that's all I've been thinking is how daunting it must be to have to maintain a style that was like pretty much perfected in one of the most critically acclaimed shows ever for five seasons and to have mm-hmm. to like maintain that kind of mood and that kind of aesthetic just sounds like terrifying. Well, I, I'm sure it is, especially for everyone. I mean, really, I mean, Vince, the producers, the, the director of photography, I mean, everybody, it's, you're coming back to the story after five or six years. Well, how long ago? It's longer than that, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, six years ago it ended. Yeah. Yeah, so you have people coming back, a lot of new faces, mm-hmm. and people that have never, you know, worked with that crew before, and and they do have a kind of a family feel. Yeah, um, especially with the people closest to events, like um, Melissa and Jen, who was a co-producer, mm-hmm. and uh, even his assistant, um, another Melissa. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all work really well together, and you know they they get along. For the most part. I mean, every, everybody bickers. <laughs> right. But also, all of these different people have an opinion about everything. And Vince takes, I think he takes everybody's opinion in when he's making his final decision. Right. And when you're very particular and you're considerate of others' uh, opinions in, in the process, it can be a little daunting to to get the approval that you need in the time frame that you need to get yeah the job done right and that's that is a big i'd say it's one of the biggest parts of being the art director is time management yeah so uh, i had to um to come up with a budget i work with the construction coordinator to when we go through we create a set list so it's everything that's dictated in the script okay all the places they go and and if there's any kind of description of what that is we incorporate that into the design and we create the set list and we'll have set designers that draw it up and we may or may not have them 
designing stuff before the budget is submitted mm-hmm. so we have an idea of uh, the, the scale of things because um, the bigger the scale the bigger the dollars mm-hmm. but uh, we start that whole process the construction coordinator and I and, and Judy the production designer will we'll sit down and go through all the numbers and there's a lot of minutia involved between the, the division of labor versus materials it's, it's typically a 70-30 split but if you do like a higher end, you know, set where you have higher end finishes, or you're doing sci-fi where it's a more difficult, your your split may be more sixty forty, right? Forty uh, percent material, sixty labor. Labor is always the the heaviest in that process. But uh, after that part, you have to get it approved, and that's a, a process in and of itself because you have a lot of mitigating factors with how much the studio thinks they need to spend on the project versus right. the the ideals of the script which we're going through those budget woes on my project currently where we have we have a budget it's a, it's been increased since the the first season but the ambition of the show at this point is extending beyond the yeah, financial that, that sounds like an expensive show <laughs> Well, it's sci-fi and period. Right. The two most expensive things to make right. combined. But uh, every show has this. And, you know, everybody wants more for less. That's that's kind of human nature. And mm-hmm. it's business. So I get that. And it's the constant creative struggle of trying to make something as, you know, amazing as it can possibly be, but on for as few dollars as you, you can you can manage to spend. Right. And it's it's an expensive process. The labor is expensive. You know, all, we're, we're compensated well. We work really, really hard and long hours. I was actually just reading an article today about um, the the hours in our industry. And so often, you know, there, there are 14, 15, 16 hour days. And that's just kind of accepted. Right. That's that's tough. <laughs> it, it is. But we also love what we do. So we do mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And working that hard, you know, equates to to good compensation. We we are compensated nicely, which is good. But the um, uh, I lost my my thread there. <laughs> I don't know where we were. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the budgeting process, we we get through through yeah, that, yeah, yeah. and then um, the the ads, the assistant directors, come on. They give us a schedule, which takes into account all sorts of factors from actor availability, which was interesting on Breaking Bad because I think the only actor we had um, first refusal with was um, Aaron. Really? And uh, yeah, so if you have first refusal, it means you can tell them you can't take another project. You have to do ours. You ha- we get to tell you when you when and where to be. Gotcha. And to do that, you have to pay more. Okay. So they... they and I could be wrong, but I think Aaron was the only one that was first refusal. So mm-hmm. the schedule gets made around all of the other actors' availabilities. And they come up with that, and then they come back to us, and, and they say, can we have you know X, Y, and Z ready by these dates? And then we have to figure out where we start first and what priorities are. That's, that's primarily my job um, beyond running the set designers, making sure that we get the drawings out to construction fast enough for construction to build uh, the set so the set is ready in time when production shows up to shoot it. 
and anything that can go wrong usually does. <laughs> you just have to <laughs> roll with it. And I'm trying to think about the uh, El Camino. If there were any any issues like that, I'm just we, I'm curious about the fact that it was shot in such a short period of time, and also like the secrecy of it, like. See, I'm, I was so amazed I, I at how under wraps. I never felt like it was that, that really? secret. I, I mean, I certainly wasn't broadcasting to anybody. Nobody was, was saying anything about it because we signed non-disclosures. You're not allowed to do that. Right. And But everyone in Albuquerque knew we were shooting. Huh. Uh, we had, uh, I think we told them we were shooting Better Call Saul and this, that, and the other. And, right. But, uh, but word started getting around what we were up to and yeah, I was actually I, surprised it didn't go further than that yeah I, all I saw I saw like I saw Jesse's car on a production company's on, on a Sony truck back in like I think it was last year maybe like summer of last year I saw a photo of his car and then after that it was just like a Breaking Bad movie is coming out and I, <laughs> I I expected to wait like years and then it was like so quickly the trailer just dropped and i was like whoa okay and i i I, like i'm on reddit consistently so i consider myself to be like like i'm not blind to it i'm usually looking at like more inner details so i i was surprised that it like just came out so smoothly and so quickly and i I was just elated so well i think that's that's probably a credit to to those at the top Mm -hmm. and um i I don't usually like to to glow about the producer class <laughs> they're the ones that tell me i can't do things <laughs> but um they did a really great job of, of getting this off the ground quickly and i would say sony as well they they got this the whole thing moving very very fast yeah it, it, it was i'm sure that vince has been stewing about it for for <laughs> years now and and then finally either he decided or sony decided or somebody decided they wanted to do it mm-hmm. and as soon as that happened it was like lightning and i got started i think I, I went out to albuquerque the day before labor day or day after labor day i mean uh-huh. and um and then i was out of there by february wow and that's quick it's but it's not really for <laughs> for most movies that's, that's oh, no, a no. pretty standard timeline mm-hmm. and um but I, what i'm really impressed with is how quickly it got edited and pushed out to market Ah, okay. Like, typically, that's a much longer process. Mm-hmm. Which, I, I think that's probably because Vince knows exactly what he wants before he even gets to the editing room. <laughs> right. The most impressive thing I, I had, and I wish every director did this, was um, we did something that, that Vince calls Vince's homework. And the art department does up what we call director's plans, and the way we do them for him is a very specific way. We, we get rid of all the, the notes and, and color and anything like that. And uh, it's a floor plan of whatever set that, that we're doing or a car, if we're shooting in a car, anything like that. And on, if it's on an eight and a half by 11 page or multiples, you know, he'll ask for, we'll give him the overall plan and he may ask for just a, a small area to be, you know, made bigger. Right. But we'll give we'll give him all these plans, and then he draws all over them, all of the blocking. But which that's not unusual. That's what typically what directors do on the the director's plans. But he also does all the different shots, the camera lenses, 
like how he wants the camera to move. I mean, everything is thought out and labeled, you know, shot A, shot B, shot uh-huh. C. And then when you go to work, well, A, you better have read his homework because that's what we're doing today. <laughs> right. And B, that's what you do. And, you know, it's, it's very well planned. So shooting, I think, was, was pretty efficient. But then you, you hit the, because Vince knows exactly what he wants and he is particular, you may have to do a scene over and over again right. to get it right. Give me an example of like a certain scene or, or day, like what, typically what that looked like for you. Well, I try not to be on set as much as possible. Right. It's usually if I'm on set and not on the next set, that means something's going wrong. Right, that right. We, we have to fix. Mm-hmm. Um, with Skinny Pete's house, the uh, the fence, that was a that was an interesting thing because fences don't really come out like they took that fence out. <laughs> <laughs> and we also, so but we had to make it look real, right. for one. And two, we had to make it light enough for the actors to, to pull it out, not just, you know, a couple of times, but over and right. over and over again. So that fence is actually mostly balsa wood. Huh. <laughs> and, and, you know, Skinny Pete is, he's a skinny guy. <laughs> it, was a, it was a heavy fence for him to pick up. <laughs> it was a heavy fence for anybody to pick up. And they had to do it over and over and over again. To, to get the look right, to make Jeez. it look the appropriate amount of awkward. Right. You know, you, you didn't want it to look too easy, but you didn't want it to look too hard either because it has to happen relatively quickly. And, uh, which that reminds me, that's a, a, a funny moment that actually got cut from the movie. Um, there's a whole sequence when they remove that fence. They push the car through that side yard, uh-huh. and then it supposedly makes the turn and then goes into the backyard. Right. Um, we were always going to cheat that because the way the, the side yard and the, the fence and there's a, a back building that was kind of a tool shed, the way it was all laid out, you couldn't actually take that car all the way around the house that way. Right. But the moment where they're pushing it through the side yard, we put in a little pond and we, we dressed it with uh, all these lawn ornamentations, kind of saying the idea being that Skinny Pete's this was his mother's house that was left to him. Okay. And she was into, uh, you know, decorating her garden. And if you look around through that house, you'll see things that don't make sense for skinny Pete, but do make sense for his mother's decorating. Huh. And, and that was the idea that we were, we were going for for it to, to look like he had expanded himself within this space that wasn't his to begin with. Really. But, Pushing this car back, there was a whole beat or, or se- series of beats where there was a, a lawn gnome that was next to the pond, and they try to, to kick it out of the way, but it's jammed into the ground. So he kicks it a few times trying to get it, and it won't go, and then he slips into the pond. <laughs> at, so we had to make the pond deep enough to be annoying, but also shallow enough to be safe. <laughs> Which that, that was a fun, fun thing to figure out, which is a shame that they, they cut it from the movie. But uh, the car was supposed to crush the gnome, and then there'd be a beat of this crushed gnome right. laying next to the pond. Oh, I would and, have liked that. I can see it. Well, the, the gnome became kind of this mascot of the movie while we were making it. Hmm. And 
uh, we have these things called uh, car cards that you put in the front windshield of your car so that uh, security and other production members will know that you're with us, right? essentially. And um, I don't even think they said Greenbrier on They may have said Greenbrier. I think I still have mine somewhere. But we, we took a picture of the gnome and blew it up, and that was our car card. <laughs> And, and I actually, uh, I, I 3D scanned the actual gnome, and then I, I have a 3D printer, and I 3D printed these little um, <laughs> gnomes that we then hand-painted in the art department and put keychain rings on and gave them out to the crew. <laughs> wow. That is Which, Oh, man, that took a while. Uh, <laughs> I was sitting in, in my little house there in Albuquerque, hand-painting these little gnomes, going, why did I say I would do this? <laughs> it had to have been worth it, though. I hope so. I, I think people enjoyed them. <laughs> I, I actually I had to leave the show a week early oh, yeah. to go start my next show. And um, so I, I actually didn't get to see the, uh, the, the trap door in the car. I didn't get to see that happen, which was oh, a bummer. No. Because they were filming that the last week when I when I had left, I had to go to Atlanta to, to start my next project. Do you know where they filmed the Alaska Jumanji. the Alaska scenes? Uh, yeah, it was not Alaska. Um, mm-hmm. Where did they? I feel like it was Utah. Really? Or oh God, I can't remember. Uh, I I did not go on the scout. Judy went on that yeah. one. Yeah. Um, but it was it was just north. Maybe if I look at a map, it'll it'll pop at me. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, I want to say it was the Tetons. Oh, really? I think so. Let's see, Oregon, Idaho. <laughs> looking at a map? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at, looking at the states here. I, I believe <laughs> it was Utah. Huh. Or Wyoming. Maybe No, it was Wyoming. It had been Wyoming. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. i got to make my <laughs> way out look there. Through, through my notes. <laughs> but uh, it was definitely not in uh, in Alaska. Yeah, and they they went with a, a much smaller crew up there, and I mm-hmm. think they shot it in a, a day or so. But the parking lot that that plays as Alaska, mm-hmm. that's in Albuquerque. Oh, really? Yeah the the road that he's driving down when when he's leaving that parking lot, and then you have the, the that big hero shot showing the mountains and everything. Yeah, that was what they did out of town. Okay, and then the. Um, but the, all the scenes prior to, and that was the only thing they did out of town, except for the desert. They went over to Arizona to the Painted Desert. Oh yeah, I'm, I just watched a, an interview with Aaron talking about that scene. Oh man, and I didn't get to go to the Painted Desert either because I, I was oh, stuck man. trying to get all the other sets done while they were were out there. It was beautiful, absolutely oh, beautiful. Stunning. He said they yeah, like it, helicoptered in. <laughs> yeah, which Vince is a helicopter pilot. What? Yeah, he, he has a helicopter. He flew them out there. <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he, yeah he, he's an interesting dude. <laughs> and nice as can be, he, I, you know, I'm I'm from Georgia originally, so I'm a, uh-huh. I'm a Southern boy, and he's from Virginia, hmm. and, and that may be why I like him so much. I don't right. know, but uh, that I feel like I haven't watched a whole lot of interviews or anything with him, but I feel like what i've seen of him in the public eye he's the same way in private yeah he seems to or, just be work. a delightful guy yeah and that that kind of he's not exactly soft-spoken but he's got a soothing voice hmm. yeah it's got that soft southern drawl and <laughs> he, 
he just he doesn't talk loud, but he's you know he talks kind of right. I don't know, just approachable. <laughs> That's kind. Yeah. So of of but, location, what's because uh, I'm sure you've you've been around with your job. What's what's some of your favorite places you've you visited, states or otherwise? Oh, that's easy. Hawaii. <laughs> You've been to Hawaii? Ooh. For what? Yeah, I worked on uh, Jurassic World um, 2. Oh, that's wonderful. What was that? Uh, the Fallen Kingdom? Yeah, Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. We, um, we went out to... I was in Hawaii for four and a half months on that one. Oh, wow. And it's it's an amazing state. It's, it's an amazing place. It's hard to even call it a state. It's its own country, really. That's incredible, you know, man. The, its own culture and own people that... The, you know, are very proud and most of the time very lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to cross them though, that's for sure. Oh yeah, and yeah, oh yeah. The the Hawaiian people are are very proud. You don't want to do anything to make them mad. They will let you know. Right, I can see that. And yeah, you have to be aware of that working there too, especially in film. It, you know, a good locations department is really important. Yeah, I think in, in Hawaii, well, it's important in every show, but. Um, you have to have people because you don't want to disrespect any of the cultures. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah, we had. Um, I'm not sure if they. I think they're called a shaman. I'm not sure if that's the right term. I hope I don't screw that up. But uh, we had our offices and set uh, blessed by by the shaman. Huh. And and she came in and that's interesting. She blessed the the whole office and and the production as a whole when we started shooting. And I think. Um, Dwayne Johnson has every production that he works on, I think, is blessed at the beginning. Huh. It's it's an important part of their culture. That is very interesting. And not to mention they're surrounded by beaches and beautiful oceans and everything's amazing. How's the the food? Like the fruits and... Uh, Well, it's funny. I I heard, and I'm not sure if this is true, but it sounds true, that... uh, when you go to the grocery store on Hawaii and you buy a pineapple, it's probably came from Mexico. I have heard those words as well. Yeah. And it makes sense because they're pineapples. And I did go to the Dole Plantation. It's very touristy, but oh. uh, you have to go at least once. Uh-huh. And I got some pineapple there. And that pineapple was amazingly delicious and fresh. <laughs> so I, cool. I know why they export it. <laughs> and the sushi. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the sushi. Oh yeah, I mean, and, and they say a lot of it comes from Japan, but uh, I I'm not even a seafood person, and mm-hmm. having that fresh fresh fish there on the islands was I became a, a much more seafood person than than I've ever been before. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. But uh, yeah, I've, I've traveled around a little bit for work. I've done. Um, I started in Atlanta, so I, I worked there for many years before I started. Well, before I came out to L.A., and I've worked in Pittsburgh and um, Savannah, which is outside of Atlanta, down on the coast, mm-hmm. um, Mississippi, back on the help. Okay. Uh, I've done some little work trips to Louisiana a few times, um, and California, obviously, New Mexico, Hawaii. I feel like I'm forgetting one. Oh, and New York course in ah. new york state well that sounds fruitful man oh, it's, it's, a, it's a fun journey you can dive but into the, it um, if you want to uh let me know how you how you came to be a supervising art director 
how you started in Atlanta, where you went to school, what you wanted to do originally, whatever you feel. Yeah, so it's funny because when I was a kid and uh, I was really into art and specifically comic book art, when Mm -hmm. I was uh, in high school, I had aspirations to become a comic book artist or an illustrator or a colorist. I I wanted to get involved in some way, but uh, as it went and college was on the horizon and I was the first to go to college in my family. So I didn't have a whole lot of guidance about what to do except for just go. You're you're going to college. We saved your whole life. Right. Go and do it. And with that, I think comes some pressure to choose something that's going to make money. Of course. And also living in Georgia, I didn't really feel like a creative field was in my future. So I started out, um, well, I started, I switched my major a few times, but I landed on um, biology and psychology. And I, I ended up with a bachelor's in psychology and a minor in biology. And wow. the idea was I, I was going to go on to um, optometry school and become an eye doctor. Okay. And so all of my college courses, uh, I, I didn't even take an art course. I think the closest thing I took was the history of rock and roll. Wow. And I kind of got out of the creative side of my life uh, during that time. And and then I got out of school and I decided um, my my father was a developer, general contractor. He built homes. He bought land, developed into neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. built homes, that kind of thing. He did that for most of my life. And this was 2007. So right before the, uh, the big housing bubble burst. Right. So I thought, hey, I'll go work with dad and I'll start my own company and I'll build some houses, make some money. And then uh, after you know a year or two, I, I'll have enough saved up that I could pay for medical school. Okay, gotcha. And that being the plan, went to work and things were going pretty well there for a little bit. I built my own house, um, which was very exciting. Got moved into that. Wow. And then the economy tanked. Right. <laughs> And I was lucky. I was a lucky one. I didn't have any um, spec homes that were just sitting there having to pay interest on or anything like Mm -hmm. that. Um, And actually did some work finishing homes for the Bank of North Georgia uh, that they had foreclosed on other builders. And that was really depressing, (laughs) to be honest. Just going into somebody's project and and you have to finish it for them because they're no longer there. That's tough. Yeah, that wasn't wasn't all that fun but uh you know that went along for i was making it i was getting by Mm -hmm. and um that was right around the time the tax incentive came to georgia for film right and with the tax incentive film production began to explode and my aunt well she's actually my cousin but she's much much older so um she refers to herself as my aunt (laughs) and she was a production coordinator and I asked her one, we used to get together every month for family dinners with the the extended family on my dad's side. And one of those dinners, I said, does anybody need any help in that movie stuff that you do? Mm -hmm. And she says, well, maybe Let, let me see. And she got me an interview with Kelly Richardson, who's an art department coordinator in Atlanta. And I think she's kind of out of the business now. But um, 
she brought me in for an interview and I ended up getting the job as an art department PA. Wow. And I did that for three days and quit. <laughs> oh, really? Why? <laughs> so I got offered a, uh, a building project for a commercial building. Oh, gotcha. And it was about four times the money. <laughs> yeah, that'll, PS, that'll probably... PAs don't make much. <laughs> so I, I, and I told Kelly that I really appreciated it, and I'm so sorry, didn't expect this to, to happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, I'm coming from a place of, like, the real world, and I don't think she was bothered by it at all because I was just a PA. Like, right. Okay, okay, PA. Well, I'll find a new one of you. <laughs> right. But uh, I mean, not as callous as that. Kelly's she's a lovely lady. But um, we we left on good terms, and I went and started the uh, the project. And I guess it was about three weeks later, she called me again and asked me if um, I had any interest to to meet with their construction coordinator that. He was out of L.A., and he was going to need somebody that knew local vendors and was familiar with construction and that kind of thing. He needed uh, a buyer. And at the time, I had no idea what a buyer was. Right. You know, my my knowledge of filmmaking kind of stopped at the people you see getting interviewed on television. <laughs> hmm. You know, the actors, directors, producers, and then there are other people I don't know anything about. <laughs> But uh, I went in and I met with Steve Hagberg, who uh, just, I, I call him my work dad. Yeah. Um, I've worked Sweet with guy. him several times over the years, and, and he's retired now. Um, one of my favorite people. He's, he's just so smart and so thoughtful and so good at what he does. That's wonderful. Uh, yeah, it was, and, he, and he taught me, well, <laughs> the interview was, was funny because we didn't talk about the job at all. We, we talked about sailing and motorcycles and <laughs> mountain climbing and anything and everything except for what the hell a construction buyer was. That's how you know you're and good. Then he, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. I said that's how you know you're good if you're just talking about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And at the end, he offered me the job. And I said, well, so let me go uh, see if I can get my dad to come out of his semi-retirement and finish this project for me. And my mm-hmm. dad agreed. He said, yeah, go try that movie stuff. So uh, it was about the same money um, as what I was doing. And gotcha. I thought, even if I just do this one you know, film, it'll be something cool. Yeah, it's a cool experience. That, that is, yeah. And, and I got in there, and I worked really hard, and Steve taught me so much. And that was uh, Killers which while we were working on it was called Five Killers with Ashton Kutcher and oh, yeah. Catherine Heigl. I remember that. Uh, admittedly, not the best project I've worked on. But, <laughs> uh, but Ashton was... Yeah, okay, I, I had this idea of Ashton as being this uh, kind of arrogant, you know... You know he's an attractive guy. And he right. Probably, he's some big fancy actor. He's, he's not going to be somebody I really want to talk to. Right. And... Um, but he, I don't. He was given some kind of allowance from the production, um, basically a ton of spending money, mm-hmm. which I'm sure was part of his his contract. And he ended up renting out the back half of Six Flags as a rap party for the entire crew and their families and everything. Wow. Which. <laughs> Which was kind of funny because, you know, being my first experience, I thought this was every movie. <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, we get six legs. <laughs> yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> and to turn out, I mean, maybe if that's the case on every Ashton project, I, I don't know. But um, 
they they are not usually that that incredible of the, the rap parties. Right. They're usually fun, but uh, not Six Flags. So my opening experience was was pretty great. That's wonderful. And, yeah, and and then Steve got me on with um with the construction coordinator there in Atlanta, and um, I kind of got passed around from project to project for a little bit, and and landed with this guy David Nash, who. Uh, I love David. To, to this day, I actually need to call David and catch up with him. Um, <laughs> he's, he's a construction coordinator, and over the first, I don't know, five or so years of my career, even when I wasn't working with him, if I was in between shows, he would have me come in for a week or two and, and fill a gap, and it helped me with the, the pay, and I'd right. help him get things organized and that kind of thing. And um, the construction buyer, for, for if you don't know, which I would assume – nobody knows yeah i don't know much <laughs> about that well it's uh that position at least the way that i i do the job is finding and purchasing all the materials to create the film uh to create the sets okay. so that's everything everything from buying basic lumber and plywood to trying to source a um, a very strange perforated metal that uh, the designer wants and of course, the art department, and I'm guilty of it to this, you know nowadays of picking things that are an eight week lead time, but mm-hmm. it shoots in four. Oh, and then the construction buyer will go, "All right, hold on, let me go see if I can find something kind of like that, but available to us." Right. So there's a lot of that in tracking the budgets, which gave me a, a, a really good understanding of the amount of money it took to create the scenery. Mm-hmm. which helped me tremendously when I moved into art directing because I think understanding the the relationship between how many dollars it takes to get how much scenery is key to especially a supervising art director and and making sure that you're getting the biggest bang for your buck and you're not wasting money on things that that aren't going to be seen as well or at all on right. screen and I went through the, the construction buying for several years and it was that process of being given things that I, I couldn't get what they wanted, but I had to go find something. I started thinking our directors didn't know what the hell they were doing and I could do it better. <laughs> but that was my, my takeaway. Uh-huh. And at that point I decided I wanted to move into the art department and with the skills that I had, I, I didn't know much about the design process. I mean, I'd grown up around building plans and, mm-hmm. and actual construction my entire life, but uh, I wasn't real clear on, on how that all works. So right. to, to learn that, I went into the art department coordinating position, which is also a position of a lot of logistics. It's, uh, you know, keeping track of the budget and making sure everybody gets paid like they're supposed to. And, mm-hmm. Uh, also, it's it's one of the widest positions in the art department, and I think that it's um, greatly underappreciated because they're, the art department coordinator is kind of the, the person that keeps the train on the tracks in a way of just the, the basic things that need to get done, like getting your paperwork into accounting so that you know your credit card gets refreshed mm-hmm. and making sure that you know the art directors and the production designers do their time cards so they actually get paid because <laughs> they're very busy doing other things mm-hmm. 
and and making sure that the uh, the drawings that we we have drawn get to all of the different departments that are involved uh, whether it be construction and paint or set dressing or special effects or um, rigging electric or whatever department needs that information you have to make sure it actually gets to them yeah and it's a it's a complicated job and i learned a ton doing it and I did that uh, kind of bounce back and forth between our department coordinating and construction buying um, there for two, three years and was always very vocal about I wanted to be an art director. And and I think that's important in any job. You know, when you go in, yeah, just not, I mean, not annoying, but right. know, know, what you know want. where you want to be and express that. And I feel like I did a good job of it and eventually got uh jim truesdale gave me my well i gotta back up a little bit <laughs> so <laughs> i was the art department coordinator on a show called identity thief um which the production designer was shepherd frankel um supervising art director was andrew Kahn, and andrew has become my mentor hmm. he may say that let's say he's not <laughs> you know he, he wouldn't want to take credit but uh I maybe wouldn't if you caught him in the right moment, <laughs> but uh, we've had had a, a really great run, and he's been a source for so much insight and an opportunity, uh, which is amazing. And I think it came from Identity Thief was a very difficult show. Oh yeah, uh, it, it shouldn't have been, and there were a lot of factors in, involved with it. But uh, it was kind of a bonding show for for Andrew and I, I think, and. Later on, he gave a, a recommendation for me to another guy, uh, Todd Holland, who is usually listed as a Todd Holland on his credits. Um, and Todd was doing the fifth wave, and they needed an assistant art director, and there was no one available, so that opened them up to hiring people off roster. And Todd had gotten told by Andrew that I was great, and he should give me a shot, and I was able to get into the Art Directors Guild on the fifth wave, which was five or six years ago now. Ooh. And um, God, I learned a lot from Todd. I mean, that, that's one of the greatest things about this industry is every project you get to learn so much. Right. It seems like such an opportunity. Oh, yeah. And and then I was on there for a short amount of time. And then, then uh, Jim Truesdale, who I'd worked as his art department coordinator, he gave me a shot as his assistant art director on a project uh, called Banshee Season 4 mm -hmm. up in uh, Pittsburgh. So I was in Pittsburgh for about six months and um, uh, learned a lot more there. You know, this after you, it's the hardest part is getting started into a position, getting someone to take that chance. Right. And, and when someone does, as long as you do well, you will continue getting those opportunities. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think I did well as the assistant art director for Jim, and I went on to assistant art director a bunch, a bunch of different shows and several with Andrew. Um, Andrew was my boss on Jurassic, um, Captain Marvel, um, Identity Thief. Uh, Hunger, no, he wasn't my boss on Hunger Games, but he, he was on that as well. Uh, and I can't even remember. I, I think one or two, well, he was on Call of the Wild as well. But we've worked together a lot. He's given me a lot of opportunities. And Oh, and Fast 8, I hope I forget that. Mm -hmm. um, 
he gave me the introduction to Bill Bretsky, who's a production designer, and Desma Murphy, who is a supervising art director. And they did uh, Fast and Furious 8, or uh, what do they call it? The Fate of the Furious. Yeah, yeah. And they brought me on that as an assistant art director. And I think Bill Bresky is probably my favorite production designer to work with for a whole bunch of reasons. Yeah. Um, and, and his supervising art director, Desma, is probably the best person in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's almost annoying how, how lovely she is. And <laughs> everyone that knows her will say that. <laughs> And it's funny because as as an art director, there's a lot of uh, opportunity for conflict. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, we have to work with all the different departments. And whenever you have to work with people and get them to do what you want, but you can't, you don't have the authority to tell them to do it, there can be conflict. Yeah. Uh, especially if, if you're telling them something they really don't want to do. <laughs> but they... Um, Oh, that's interesting. Just found concert tickets on my desk. I don't know why. Oh, you got a show you're going to? Uh, it's Britney Spears, so that's that's not me. <laughs> All right. Oh, these are from 2015. Okay. I think I think uh, my friend that was staying here, uh, an actress <laughs> friend of mine, she must have left these. Well, I hope she had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. I, I love love the Britney. <laughs> I do know you. <laughs> But uh, say that Britney Spears distracted me throughout my whole rhythm. I'm just fascinated with how quickly it can like one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, and then you have a whole huge list of credits. Like it seems like yeah. once the ball gets rolling and you have a decent little what's the word I'm looking for reputation, it it can just get. That's the key. You know, this this industry is it's very big and very small at the same time. Mm-hmm. And and I would imagine a lot of industries are like that. But uh, over the years, you you meet more and more people and work on different projects, and we all talk to one another. And if you do a good job, that's that's the key. Is you just got to get in there and bust your ass. Right. And if you bust your ass hard enough, people will notice, and then you know. They'll be on the next show, and somebody will say, "Hey, we we need an art director. Do you know anybody?" And they go, "Oh, yeah, I just worked with so and so. They were good. You right. should give them a call." And I love that. I love that feel of it. And you still seem to be tremendously on the upswing, like with with no signs of stopping. So I hope so. <laughs> that's wonderful. What is there I mean, a is there a place you'd like to be, or are you sort of just continuing to be grateful for each opportunity? Um. Both, I would say. I'm very grateful for every opportunity, especially the one I'm on now. Mm-hmm. Uh, great great crew, and this project couldn't be more up my alley. Right. But uh, eventually, I would like to production design as well. And, um, you know, sure, I'd, I'd love to be a creative producer, but also, who wouldn't? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, production design seems, to me, that's, that's the goal. Yeah. And some people are happy stopping their their track at art directing Uh and and don't want to deal with the the politics of being a production designer because a production designer is is an above the line um person they're the same right the director actors production or the uh director photography all that and it is a hard job (laughs) and you're responsible for the look of a film that's scary if a film doesn't do well it doesn't look good then 
you know, you have to carry that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't envy Judy in, in the process we had with El Camino because it's, it's a hard approval process and the, you have the weight of an entire award-winning series on your shoulders. Yeah, that, that's a bit much. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a lot. And, uh, but she did great. And my favorite set in the, the, well, in El Camino, I had two favorite sets. Yeah. There, there was the, uh, the apartment, Todd's apartment. Oh God, that was wonderful. Yeah. We built that all on stage on a platform. Um, any shot inside of that was done on stage, nothing on location. Oh. And, and then we had a location that we matched the outside. Mm -hmm. If you look close and somebody might get mad at me for, for tattling, but the, (laughs) um, on the inside of the apartment, there are exterior windows in the living room that if you were paying attention to the geography, which is a little difficult the way it's cut together, but, um, they would be the windows that face out the front. Yeah. But you cut to the scene where Todd is pulling his El Camino into the driveway or pulling out one of, one of the two. And the camera is kind of at an upward angle looking at the building and, and his parking spot. And you can see very plainly, there are no windows on the outside of the buildings. Ah. And, but we need windows for light, especially Throw that in the uh, scenes. in the goofs. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing: Breaking Bad, Walter White's house, is nothing like the exterior location. How so? The, the inside of his house is it's a stage set, huh. and it, the 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 architecture doesn't matter. It's way bigger. The windows are all different. The doors are all different. It's got, I think, one more bedroom. Oh, don't the house. Don't break the, <laughs> don't don't pull the veil away. <laughs> yep. And, but that's the thing is you you some as a as an audience member you didn't notice right until I told not you at that. all no and I I honest, I had I thought notice. that the inside like because I I had known that most insides of buildings weren't used like frequently. But I, I, I just know I've read so much on people visiting that house and like the amount of issues that have come about from people visiting that house that I just has, I just thought it was also the same on the inside. I don't know why. Just hopeful thinking, I suppose. <laughs> no, well, they, they wanted to design the inside of the house to, to fit the mm-hmm. characters. And also, they, they destroyed a few times. So yeah. <laughs> you don't want to do that to somebody's real house. Right, right. I was thinking that. I was like, how the... What? I, <laughs> but yeah. I can't imagine living uh, yeah. there now. That, that oh, the, the 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 couple that lives there. Yeah, they they've got fences up and everything. Yeah, <laughs> they get, they get harassed all the time. I've heard that like just from what I've read on Reddit and stuff that sometimes they can be really really sweet and like understanding and totally for you know like photos and stuff. But it just got to the point where people were throwing pizzas on their house and shit, and that's just not okay. Yeah, well, that was the thing. It was like every week somebody throw a pizza on their house. <laughs> That's so messed up. Yeah, you can only be nice about that so long, <laughs> right? And, and we actually we we were gonna have a um, like a shot. Those time lapses that we have, yeah, there are actually way less of those than we shot. Oh yeah, because uh, they they did do the one where I, you know what I need to watch that time lapse again because I only caught um, they have a time lapse showing the shopping center that Saul's office was in. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. And, and you can see, and they have the time-lapse um, shot with the, uh, what was it called now? Twisters, which was the, those, uh, those Olios Hermanos. Yeah, yeah, the, the parking the, lot. The restaurant. 
Yeah, and the the sign on it that says um, "Under New Management." I loved that. I was just <laughs> like, "Oh, a little wink." That was that was interesting. We I sent over one one guy, one construction guy, went over there and popped that sign in. Because <laughs> um, that I don't believe that sign is one of those things that you can slide letters in. Mm-hmm. I think it was. Um, I th- yeah, we made that. Oh wow. Yeah, they they it's like a regular light box sign, and we changed it out with the the sliding letters to say under new management. Hmm. Which is funny because you you have to do stuff even for for that three seconds. Right, you just screen. gotta you gotta make it happen. Yeah, and and we had to have that construction guy had to stay there during the time lapse and then take it all <laughs> down and put it back together because uh, we didn't want to impact the business. Right. Because you impact the business, you start having to pay them you know more money and. For, mm. for that kind of quick thing, you just do what you got to do to to get in and get out. Mm-hmm. But um, we did a time lapse of uh, Ruby and and Jesse's apartment that I don't think ended up in the movie. I I don't I don't think so. I don't think Which that the, that was the whole a... Kristen Ritter in the in the car. Yeah, that 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 was added on. Uh, I, I think when we were about midway midway through. Oh yeah, and I, I'm not sure if that. They they approached Kristen or I'm not sure what the story behind that. Was, How do you feel about that addition as an as an audience member removed from? Well, the removed from from where? See, that's the hard thing is <laughs> I've read the script so many times. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've always wondered what it's like. Like, can you even enjoy it or? <laughs> oh, I absolutely enjoy it, and mm. it, it it takes me. Yeah, every time I watch a movie, it takes me a day or so to, to digest it. Right. Um, and it's, it is much more difficult when you've been so intimately involved. And for me, this was the most involved project I've ever done. Wow. Like, I I was... Lucky me. I felt a part of every single scene. That's so powerful and, that you're, you're a piece of that. Oh, it, it means the world. I mean, it's, it's why I think most of us do this. That and the paycheck. But... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the the problem comes when you're watching the movie. Like that opening scene, it starts on that beautiful New Mexico sky and then pans down. Yeah, and that's it comes to the Rio Grande, and you have uh, Jesse, and then then Mike shows up, and I'm watching that, and all I could think was it was so fucking cold. <laughs> and, oh, it was that was the hardest day. <laughs> I think it was maybe 14 or 19 degrees or something in the Holy morning. Shit. I, it was <laughs> so cold. And and I had to be there early because, you know, we, we have our greensmen there that are making sure that uh, there's not, like, trip hazards out by the mm-hmm. water. And, you know, we, we did a little bit of greens work. We had to clean up the, um, the, the brush so that they'd be able to see the cars from their shot from the river. Mm-hmm. And everybody was freezing. And, man... Um, they did a great job performing in that because every time they do their, their a bit of the scene, you know, for, for whatever shot that we were doing, as soon as they had cut, you had PAs or wardrobe people. I'm, I'm not sure who run out with these big jackets and covering them <laughs> up. Oh man. And, and they had to been freezing out there. Yeah. Jesse's like rocking. I don't, I don't think it's for that, but like <laughs> it makes you think. It's probably because he was freezing cold. <laughs> He's sitting it there like for the scene. <laughs> like Aaron, like Jesse's always been kind of like not tweaky, but like a little animated. Anxious. 
Yeah, exactly. So it fits. But now that I now I'm gonna see <laughs> that scene and think that <laughs> they were freezing their asses off. <laughs> but it, did you ever watch Veronica Mars? Uh, no, I didn't. I never got around to it. There is an episode. I actually I never had watched it until just recently. And there's an episode with Aaron Paul in it, um, and he he basically plays Jesse Pinkman. Huh. And I, I'm not positive, but I think that was before he was cast as Jesse Pinkman. That's interesting. I, I keep wondering. I've wanted to ask Vince. I forgot when I was at the premiere. I wanted to ask him if he saw that episode and saw Aaron's acting and was like, that's the kid. Mm-hmm. I watched, story. I've watched Aaron's uh, audition tape for Breaking Bad, and it's like just ridiculous, ridiculously good. I'm sure. It, you know, the thing about him is he's a nice to everybody. B really cares about the the story and the character, mm-hmm. and C puts in the work. Yeah, you know the the whole um, the the whole apartment scene where they're tearing everything apart. Which we built that entire set at the aspect ratio of the camera. Huh. So, so that entire apartment was basically built for that overhead shot with all the Jessies running around. That was so fucking cool. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to say it. That was just such. I was just sitting there thinking, like, how did they pull this shot off? That's so cool. Well, that is, that's Judy Ree. That was her idea. Wow. And, and and Vince wrote that into the the script as well, and man, did it turn out great! We had to, to build these top plates for all the walls, and mm-hmm. and they were a little bit wider than the walls, so you wouldn't see that edge. Right. Uh, painted them black, so if you've ever seen a floor plan of a house, that's kind of the idea. We created these black lines on the walls, mm-hmm. and then way up in the rafters, I can't remember what the, I feel like the ceiling height in there in that stage was about seventy feet could be wrong that my memory's not holding out on me there but um in the top of the stage there are catwalks and for all the lighting and rating and that kind of thing right and there was a a platform they i think they actually built the little platform off of the catwalk and they put the camera up there so the camera's way up in the air <laughs> right that's gotta be tall and man did that turn out cool it was such a good shot i loved it <laughs> I just I remember when they first went in there for we had a pre-destruction look, which is the the flashback scenes that yeah. take place there, and and they shot in there for a couple of weeks, and then um, they went away, and we also had the the Christmas hiatus, and we had to turn it over into the post police search look, mm-hmm. and then it goes into the post Jesse search look, right. Which, when he went in looking for the post-Jesse's um, look, Vince walks in and he goes, you know, can we do more? Can it be more messed up? It's and, just uh, it's just trashed. <laughs> it's so oh, trashed. Yeah. Well, I went in, I think we, we had our PA down there, we had several painters, and everybody just grabbed whatever they could. Like, I, the painters and I grabbed... Um, different tools like we call it a five in one it's a it's a paint tool that it's a blade and a scraper and does all anyway uh-huh. I, I got one of those and we just went to town <laughs> and, and most of that destruction happened in about 25 minutes jesus 
Well, that sounds like a blast. It, it, it was pretty fun. It was a little stressful because it was, you know, right. the camera's waiting and, and they want it more. And we've already, you know, we've worked on this thing for weeks and weeks and weeks trying to, to get it. And, and like the wallpaper that he pulls off of the, the wall that's uh, between, I think they have the close up with him listening and tapping on the wall. And then he pulls wallpaper. Mm-hmm. We had to create, I think it was five, five walls with that wallpaper so he could tear it all up and, and then they could take the wall away, put in a new wall with fresh wallpaper, and he could do it over again. Jeez. Yeah, that, that was a complicated set, and it it was also a little it was a little tight for shooting, which we don't like to do, and, and I'm sure it was difficult on the shooting crew. But um, you know, we were also contained to our aspect ratio and trying to not get too crazy away from the physical location mm-hmm. uh, which we had we added some windows at the physical location in in the interior hall to make it uh, appear the windows would match up between our exterior and interior locations right it gets there, there's a lot of thought that goes into all of these these things well I can't wait to rewatch it now I watched it this morning again, but I yeah, I was, I was going to watch it again last night and in preparation for talking to you, mm-hmm. and um, and I just got too tired. <laughs> <laughs> I got worn out this week trying to get to get things handled. We we have some lunar rovers that we are going to be shooting on Thursday, and there's been some bumps in the road trying to get them ready. Oh dear! Different departments, everybody's got to work together and. It's it's difficult and it can be very stressful. So, do you feel fulfilled? Absolutely. That's wonderful it's, to hear. Uh, you know, it, my dad always said, uh, you know, if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life, and uh, that's kind of a cliche. But absolutely uh, seems to be the truth, though. It, it really is, and not to say that I don't have really hard, even bad days mm-hmm. where I, I, I'm just mad that I'm even there. Right. But they are more than more than made up for with the overall process, and especially at the the end when you get to see all of that hard work show up on the screen. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why I think we all do it. Is it's almost like a I, I like to describe working on a movie is like a really good vacation because a really good vacation is not relaxing. You go out, you go on this adventure, you see the world in a different way, and you're tired, you're on planes, you're on cars, you know, it, and you come back, and you need a vacation from your vacation. And you're better. But you're, you're, you're a better person because of it. You know, you've expanded the way that you see the world, and I think working on movies is a lot like that. You know, the, the going through it process is not always fun or nice, but right. the, the destination makes the journey that much more sweet, if that makes sense. Beautifully spoken. <laughs> well, thank you so much for the insight, Michael. I appreciate it. No, no problem. I've, uh, I, I've got a year left. Hours. <laughs> I've got a year left in film school, so... Nice. This is all what, of it. What are your aspirations? You know, Michael, <laughs> a, a lot. I want to write books. <laughs> I, I want to... I want to be in the film industry, which is seemingly difficult. The more that I ask those who are in it, <laughs> but well, it also depends on what you want to do in the film industry. Uh, and I always tell people that are 
you know, I get kids that come up and ask me all the time, like, you know, hey, can I have some time? And I try to respond to everybody's emails, and right, because it annoys me when people don't respond to mine. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I give the the advice of trying to find that particular thing that you want to do. Be specific. Mm-hmm. Like, if you ask somebody, if you're going for a job as a PA in the art department, and I ask you, you know, what you want to do. If I hear back, oh, I don't know, I'm just you know excited to be in film. Right. I I'm probably going to go to the next person, not mm-hmm. necessarily, but maybe, or probably, to that person who says, oh, I'd like to production design one day. Right. And and having just that kind of a goal is is very helpful. Absolutely. So specificity. So if you want to be a writer, you know, even if if you get an opportunity to be an office PA, you know. Tell me you want to be a writer, and if you do a really good job at whatever you're doing, even as in the, the starting out, especially starting out, mm-hmm. if you're vocal about the thing that you want to do, people will want to help you. Well, that's wonderful advice to hear. Yeah, and it's it's all about building contacts and getting opportunities and seizing opportunities. Absolutely, I'm I plan I'm in Michigan now, but I I plan to head out to California after school and and take my swing at things so i'm still in the muck of figuring out what precisely i'd like to do i thoroughly enjoy sound editing probably more than anything else that i've done and sound design um on sets but yeah i'm still figuring some stuff out and people like you talking to me help me and i appreciate that dearly oh no problem at all it's a it's a pleasure it's kind of a treat to be asked to talk to somebody (laughs) on, on work that i've done this is uh this is definitely a first for me Wonderful, man. I, I hope that you and I's paths cross someday. Yeah, come on out here to L.A. We'll, uh, we'll grab a drink. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much, Michael. I hope you have a good, good rest of your weekend. All right, I will. And you do the same. Thank you much. Take it easy. Bye.